ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد today then as we said we're going to discuss the issue of the pregnant women and the breastfeeding women and what the rulings are regarding them missing days of fasting there is a hadith in sunan an-nasa'i where he mentions قال أخبرنا عمر بن منصور قال حدثنا مسلم بن إبراهيم عن وهيب بن خالد قال حدثنا عبد الله ابن سوادة القشيري عن أبيه عن أنس بن مالك رجل منهم أنه أتى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بالمدينة وهو يتغدى فقال له النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم هلم إلى الغداء فقال إني صائم فقال له النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إن الله عز وجل وضع للمسافر الصوم وشطر الصلاة وعن الحبلى والمرضع in this narration it mentions that a man came to the Prophet ﷺ in Medina and the Prophet ﷺ at that time was having lunch. And so when the man approached, the Prophet ﷺ invited him to come and eat. But the man said, I am fasting. And this was a man who had traveled to come and see the Prophet ﷺ from outside somewhere. So he said, I'm fasting. So the Prophet ﷺ said to him, Allah has musafiri That it's been removed. Fasting, Allah has removed fasting from the traveler and half of the prayer. And removed it from the pregnant woman and the breastfeeding woman. So this is a narration that is found here. The point isn't the narration. We're not discussing the narration per se. It is the ruling in the explanation regarding how fasting has been excused from the pregnant women and the breastfeeding women. So it mentions them both in this particular narration. And it says, وَعَنِ الْحُبْلَى وَالْمُرْضِعِ أَيْ وَضَعَ الصَّوْمَ عَنْهُمَا فَقَطْ فَلَيْسَ شَطْرَ الصَّلَةِ مَوْضُوعًا عَنْهُمَا so the pregnant woman and the breastfeeding woman fasting 
is excused from them as this narration mentions but not half of the prayer that part was only for the beginning of the narration talking about the the traveler for the traveler fasting is excused and half of the prayer meaning when you're traveling you shorten the prayers but then the second part of the narration mentions the forgiveness of the fasting and that is for the pregnant women and the breastfeeding women so now it mentions أو على أولادهما لو صامتا. Now the discussion here regarding the pregnant and the breastfeeding women, if they fear some harm upon themselves or upon the child if they fasted. قال الإمام الترمذي رحمه الله تعالى بعد أن أخرج الحديث والعمل على هذا عند أهل العلم وقال بعض أهل العلم الحامل والمرضع يفطران ويقضيان ويطعمان وبه يقول سفيان ومالك وشافعي وأحمد وقال بعضهم يفطران ويطعمان ولا قضاء عليهما وإن شاءتا قضتا ولا طعام عليهما وبه يقول إسحاق Firstly the statement of Imam At-Tirmidhi regarding the issue of pregnant and breastfeeding women He says that regarding them the accepted course of action is that they are allowed to miss the fasting the accepted course of action amongst the people of knowledge is that they are allowed to miss the fasting but he mentions that some of the people of knowledge say that the pregnant and the breastfeeding women can miss the fasting then afterwards they have to make up and they have to feed for every day he says some people say that like Sufyan, Malik, Shafi'i, Ahmed they mention the breastfeeding and pregnant women can miss but they have to make up and they have to feed the poor person for every day and some of them said though Al-Imam Al-Tirmidhi carrying on and some people, some of the scholars, they have said that they only have to feed a poor person for every day. They do not have to make up those days. If they want to optionally make up the days as well for the reward, etc., then yes, they can. But then in that case, if they do that, he mentions, they don't have to feed. So they have the option of either way. This is mentioned, Al-Imam Al-Tirmidhi says, some scholars have said 
they can either just feed a poor person for each day, then they don't have to make up those days. Or they can make up those days and then they don't have to feed a poor person for each day. So some scholars have said either is an option whichever way they decide. But others they said they have to make up and they have to feed for each day. Now he mentions regarding Al-Hafidh ibn Hajar. What Al-Hafidh ibn Hajar said about this issue. اختلف في الحامل والمرضع الحافظ ابن حجر he's the one who wrote the explanation of which book famous scholar called الحافظ ابن حجر he wrote an explanation of the book صحيح البخاري so he said that there is a difference Regarding the pregnant and the breastfeeding women. Woman aftara li kibar. And also regarding the elderly in age who miss their fasting. Thumma qawiyya ala al-qadha The issue he says is that there's a difference over pregnant women, breastfeeding women, and those elderly in age who are no longer able to fast. Elderly in age who are too frail and weak to fast are allowed to miss, and the ruling is they have to feed a poor person for every day. But there is a difference about these three categories. Pregnant, breastfeeding, and elderly in age who miss because of their frailty. And the difference is, what happens when these three categories of people end up in a situation where they are now strong enough to fast? Because all three categories here are missing because of some weakness. A pregnant woman is going to miss fasting because of the weakness when pregnant and the difficulty of fasting when pregnant. Breastfeeding woman again because of the weakness aspect of it. It may impact upon the milk and depletion of it, etc. Elderly in age again misses because of the weakness. But eventually a pregnant woman after giving birth, etc. will come back to her strength. Breastfeeding woman when that's finished and everything done, the child grows up, she will come back to her strength. Maybe on the odd occasion somebody elderly in age is frail and cannot fast, but... Later on the next year or at some stage they actually improve in their health and they become capable of fasting maybe. So then the issue is what's going to be the ruling for people who miss the fast because of some element of weakness being attached to the reason. But then afterwards that element of weakness no longer existing. They are now fully capable of fasting afterwards. Normally, what is the rule for that? If you miss and then you are fully capable of fasting afterwards, normally the rule is you make them up. A traveler who misses because of burden of traveling or whatever the reason may be, takes the rukhsa. Afterwards, he's fully capable again. He's at home relaxing, not traveling. Then he has to make up. Somebody who's ill but then recovers and is fully fit and well again, is capable, then has to make up. Pregnant woman, breastfeeding woman, 
Maybe the elderly in age as a one-off. But pregnant and breastfeeding women afterwards, later on, when the pregnancy, breastfeeding, it's all done and gone, then they will come back to their normal state of fitness and health. And they will be more than capable of fasting. So typically the ruling should be, therefore, that once they get to that stage, pregnancy all done, gone, breastfeeding done, gone, that they now should, therefore, make up those days. So he says, said, regarding the pregnant and the breastfeeding women, that they have to later on when they are capable, make up the days that they missed, and feed for every day that they missed. Make up the days that they missed, and feed, for, feed the poor person for every day that they missed. وَقَالَ الْأَوْزَاعِ الامام الاوزاعي said لا اطعام he said they do not feed a poor person for every day so according to him they just have to make up the days not necessarily the feeding of the poor people it can be done in one go it can be done in one go it's not a necessity that it has to be done on a daily basis for every day it could be done in one go if the whole amount is given and the food is given out. وَحَكَى إِبْنُ قُدَامَةِ وَالزَّرْقَانِ إِتِّفَاقَ الْعُلَمَاءَ عَلَى وُجُوبِ الْقَضَاءِ مِنْ غَيْرِ فِدْيَةِ فِيمَا إِذَا خَافَتِ الْحَامِلِ وَالْمُرْضِعِ عَلَى أَنفُسِهِمَا Some of the scholars even claim that there is a consensus of the scholars and those types of claims do have to be looked into but some of them they claim there is a consensus that a pregnant and breastfeeding woman afterwards later on has to make up those days there's no such thing as feeding a poor person and covering yourself like that that is the opinion of some scholars if they feared upon themselves, if the pregnant woman missed the fasting because she feared upon herself, the breastfeeding woman missed the fasting because she feared upon herself, then some of the scholars, some of them even claiming consensus apparently, that the woman then later on has to make up those days. There's no such thing as being able to give food for every day. وقال ابن قدامة في المغني إن الحامل والمرضع إذا خافت على أنفسهما فلهم الفطر. That if the pregnant and breastfeeding women fear upon themselves, then they're allowed to miss. وعليهم وعليهم القضاء. And upon them is to make up afterwards. فحسب and that's it. لا نعلم فيه بين أهل العلم اختلافا. Ibn Qudama says, we don't know any difference. And we're going through all the various opinions here. Ibn Qudama says, he doesn't know of any difference between the scholars on that ruling. That pregnant and breastfeeding women make up afterwards. That's it. No such thing as feeding a poor person for every day. That's Ibn Qudama. 
لِأَنَّهُمَا And the reasoning for the scholars who give that ruling, they say, لِأَنَّهُمَا بِمَنْزِلَةِ الْمَرِيضِ الْخَائِفِ عَلَى نَفْسِهِ They say because a pregnant and breastfeeding woman, their situation, what's the closest other situation they can be compared to? There are four types of people who are allowed to miss fasting. What are the four types? Traveler, ill, a traveler, somebody ill, somebody on the period or the postnatal bleeding, and elderly in age. The ones that we covered before at the beginning, a traveler, somebody ill, a woman who's on the period or postnatal bleeding, or somebody old in age. Pregnant and breastfeeding women from those four categories, which category are they the most appropriate to be put into? This is what the scholars looked at. Pregnant and breastfeeding women, which category do they go into the most appropriate placement? Some scholars, they say here, that it's the category of the ill person. They say when a per temporarily ill. When we said two types of illness, somebody who is temporarily ill and they expect to recover, then the ruling for them is they can miss at the time and when they recover they have to make up. Some scholars say a pregnant and breastfeeding women, their situation, the closest example of it is to the example of somebody who is temporarily ill, expected to recover. A pregnant woman is obviously only temporarily pregnant. That will then be gone, baby born, and she will be out of that. Just like somebody ill for a while, but then later unrecovers and is fully fit again. Breastfeeding woman for a while, even if it's for two years, she will be in that situation. Then after that, she comes out of that situation, recovered from that situation, so some scholars say a pregnant and breastfeeding women are very similar, closest to the example of somebody who is temporarily ill and is expected to recover. Temporarily ill, okay, pregnancy, breastfeeding, it's like being temporarily ill. Expected to recover, of course, a woman doesn't stay pregnant all her life forever. There's going to be a time when the baby is born and then she's not pregnant She's not going to be breastfeeding all her life. There will come a time when that stops. So she will recover from that situation. She will never be in that situation forever. Just like the ill person will not be in that situation forever, the one expected to recover. So they say based upon that comparison, therefore the pregnant and breastfeeding women have to Make it up afterwards, just like the ill person when he recovers has to make it up afterwards. That is the conclusion of some scholars. That pregnant and breastfeeding women, the closest example from the four known categories in the hadith, is to the example of a Ill, an ill person temporarily ill. When he recovers, he makes them up. When the pregnant woman recovers, finishes from her pregnancy, she's recovered. When the breastfeeding woman finishes from that period of breastfeeding, she's recovered. So just like the ill person who's recovered, they have to make up just like he has to make up.
That is an opinion. وَقَالَ الزَّرْقَانِ And there are quotes from all types of scholars mentioned here. إِذَا خَافَتَ عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمَا فَلَا فِدْيَا بِاتِّفَاقِ أَهْلِ الْمَذَاهِبِ Other scholars have mentioned by consensus of all of the madhahib, all of the schools of thought, a pregnant and breastfeeding woman makes up afterwards no such thing as feeding the poor for every day. And again, he claims there is ijma'. He claims there is consensus. Claims that there is consensus upon that. And then he gives uh, an explanation. There are some scholars who may say the fidya is allowed based upon saying the fidya is allowed for the ill person. Now, there's a different situation. That, so far, all of those opinions were talking about if a breastfeeding and pregnant woman misses the fasting because they fear some issue or difficulty or harm upon themselves, not to do with the actual child. The breastfeeding woman, if she feared upon herself, not the child, the pregnant woman, if she feared upon herself, not the child, then in that case, it appears all of the scholars basically are saying, if that's why they miss their fasting because of some fear upon themselves, not to do with the child, then they have to make up the days. But then here in the next section, it mentions, what if a pregnant and breastfeeding woman misses the fasting because of their fear, some fear linked to the child. A pregnant woman fears for the child and the health of her child if she fasts. A breastfeeding woman fears for the health of her child if she fasts. Depletion of the milk or whatever reasoning behind that. So now if they miss the fasting because they fear upon the child, they are missing it for a slightly different reason now. It's not about themselves, it's about the child. In that case, he mentions they can miss the fasting still. If you fear upon the child, they can still miss the fasting. But then there are five opinions about what they have to do. He says there are five opinions mentioned amongst the scholars about what they would have to do if they miss the fasting because of fear for the child, which probably is more of the reason why a pregnant and breastfeeding woman would miss, for fear of the health of their child. So now there are five opinions here. The first opinion, that in that situation, if they missed because of fear on their child, they only have to feed a poor person for every day and uh, uh, they don't have to make the days up. They only have to feed a poor person for every day and they don't have to make the days up. That is narrated from Abdullah ibn Umar. This is Al-Qawl Al-Awwal. يُطْعِمَانْ وَلَا قَضَاءَ عَلَيْهِمَا وَهُوَ مَرْوِيٌّ عَنْ ابْنِ عُمَرْ وَابْنِ عَبَّاسِ Narrated from Abdullah ibn Umar, Abdullah ibn Abbas, that they just feed a poor person for every day. They don't have to make up those days. 
And then he quotes a number of scholars who reported that opinion. The second opinion, the other way around, that they have to still make up those days. There's no such thing as being able to just feed for every day. They have to make up those days. No such thing as being able to feed for every day. That is the second opinion. Uh, and then he quotes here a number of the Salaf who had that opinion. Uh, he quotes, for example, Atah, Az-Zuhri, Al-Hasan, Hasan al-Basri, Sa'id ibn Jubair, Al-Nakha'i, Abu Thawr, Abu Hanifa, Wa-Ashabuh, Al-Awza'i, Al-Thawri. Many scholars, they mentioned uh, this opinion, that a woman who misses even because of fear upon her child, still the same, she makes up those days afterwards, and there's no such thing as saying you can just feed a poor person. That is the second opinion. One of the evidences they use is this hadith in An-Nasai. This hadith where the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah has dropped fasting from the traveler and the pregnant woman and the breastfeeding woman. All three mentioned together in the hadith. How is that an evidence that they have to make up and no such thing as feeding? Because we know the ruling for the traveler definitely is afterwards you have to make up. The pregnant and the breastfeeding woman have been mentioned alongside the traveler, indicating therefore the same ruling. So the second opinion of the scholars is that a woman who misses because of fear upon her child is the same as the woman missing because of fear upon herself. You just got to make up those days afterwards. No such thing as being able to feed. That is the second opinion. So according to this second opinion, فيه دلالة على أنه لا فرق بين الحامل والمرضع إذا خافت على أنفسهما أو ولديهما. That there is no difference whether a pregnant or breastfeeding woman misses because of fear upon herself or her child. The ruling is the same according to the second opinion. They just have to make up those days. The third opinion, which is popular in the madhab of al-Imam Shafi'i, commonly uh, mentioned from the madhab of al-Imam Shafi'i, and it is one of the opinions mentioned of al-Imam Malik, and also Imam Ahmed also, that the pregnant and breastfeeding women, if they miss because of the fear upon the child, they have to make up those days, and they have to feed a poor person for every day. يَقْضِيَان وَيُطْعِمَان وَهُوَ الْمَشْهُورِ مِنْ مَذْهَبِ شَافِعِي وَهُوَ ثَانِي أَقْوَالِ مَالِكِ وَإِلَيْهِ ذَهَبَ أَحْمَدِ The fourth opinion إِنَّ الْحَامِلِ تَقْضِي وَلَا تُطْعِمْ وَالْمُرْضِعِ تَقْضِي وَتُطْعِمْ The fourth opinion is that the pregnant woman who misses because of fear upon her child has to make up those days afterwards and cannot feed a poor person for each day. Has to make up the days. But as for the breastfeeding woman, she has to make up 
and feed for each day. That is the fourth opinion. The pregnant woman has to just simply make up those days afterwards, cannot feed a poor person for every day. The breastfeeding woman has to make up the days and as well feed a poor person for each day. Bihi qala al-layf wa huwa al-mashhoor min aqwali Malik. This is the most popular opinion mentioned from Imam Malik. لِأَنَّ الْمُرْضِعِ يُمْكِنْ أَنْ تَسْتَرْضِعْ لِوَلَدِهَا بِخِلَافِ الْحَامِلِ So why in this opinion is it more demanding of the breastfeeding woman because she has to make up and feed a poor person for each day whereas in this opinion they say the, breast, the uh, pregnant woman just makes up. The pregnant woman just makes up but in this opinion the breastfeeding woman has to make up and feed a poor person. Why is it more demanding for the breastfeeding a woman in this opinion? Why have they given that justification? They say because a breastfeeding woman isn't in the same situation as a pregnant woman. A pregnant woman is pregnant. There's nothing you can do about it. But a breastfeeding woman isn't stuck. She can do something about it. You can go and get a wet nurse. Some other woman who breastfeeds your child, there are other ways of being able to breastfeed the child. You're not completely stuck with a breastfeeding situation. Pregnancy, you're stuck. Pregnancy, pregnancy. Nothing you can do until the pregnancy ends. But in breastfeeding, it is possible you could uh, uh, have somebody else. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah. Ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah. So they said because the breastfeeding woman could employ somebody else, a wet nurse, she's not completely stuck. And so if she chooses to do it herself and miss, then upon her is to make up and feed a poor person. Whereas the pregnant woman is upon that pregnancy, nothing can be done. It is completely linked to her and the child within her. And so she only has to make up. The fifth opinion that they both have to feed a poor person for each day and don't have to make up. Or, if they want, they can make up 
and then they don't have to feed a poor person for each day. Same as that original opinion before. That they have a choice. Either they can make up and then they don't have to feed a poor person for each day. Or they can feed a poor person for each day and then they don't have to make up. So you can see there five opinions. Fifth opinion he mentions uh, that Al-Imam Tirmidhi narrated this opinion from Ishaq ibn Rahoya. Ishaq ibn Rahoya. Who's he? From the Salaf, he's one of the Salaf, Ishaq ibn Rahoya, or as some may say, Rahawi. There's a difference of opinion between the scholars whether to pronounce these names as an A sound at the end or to pronounce it as an O sound. Rahawi or Rahoya. So, Ishaq ibn Rahoya from the Salaf, famous too, though. He's famous for another reason. Teacher of Imam al-Bukhari. is the Shaykh of Imam al-Bukhari. So this opinion is attributed to him. Shaykh Muhammad Adam al-Ethiopi, he mentions here, He says, what I seem to take as the most correct from all of this, what appears to be the most correct from all of this, الذي يترجح عندي من هذه الأقوال قول من قال he says as far as he's concerned and you can see there's a difference of opinion but as far as he's concerned he says يجب عليهما القضاء فقط دون الإطعام لأنهما في حكم المريض ولم يجب الله تعالى الإطعام عليه فكذلك هما وأيضا فقد صوى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بينهما وبين المسافر في وضع السوم عنهم ومعلوم أن المسافر يقضي ولا إطعام عليه كما تقدم تقريره في كلام نعم فالحاصل أن الحامل والمرضع إذا أفطرتا لما ذكر تقضيان ولا فدية عليهما He says his conclusion is pregnant and breastfeeding women if they miss Later on, when the pregnancy is done and over, breastfeeding is done and over, they are back to their health, back to capability again, that they simply have to make up all of those days that they missed. And they don't and cannot substitute by giving food for the poor for every day and then saying, I don't have to make up the days. He says, according to him, that opinion is the strongest. Nowadays, if you look at the fatwa of the scholars, most of them do give that fatwa. Sheikh Mimbaza, Sheikh Al-Athameen, Sheikh Fawzan, all of them, the scholars today, most of them give that fatwa too. It doesn't mean that is the only explanation given. There are scholars like Sheikh Al-Albani who will mention the feeding of the poor person for every day. But if you want to go off what you may call the Jumhur kind of opinion, even from those five, when you add them all up, it's heavily on the side of saying that pregnant and breastfeeding women should make up the days that they missed. Of course, the other side of the argument 
you have the evidences, you have the statement of Abdullah ibn Umar, the statement of Abdullah ibn Abbas, saying that they can feed a poor person and they are both obviously companions of the Prophet Then on top of that they say, a typological reasoning too. They say a pregnant woman, let's say now she gets pregnant this year, right now she's pregnant. She's seven, eight months pregnant. So now she's going to miss this Ramadan. Then afterwards, after postnatal, whatever, etc., she's going to do breastfeeding as well, which is going to carry on for another two years. So next year, Ramadan is going to be missed because of breastfeeding. The Ramadan after that is going to be missed because of breastfeeding. This year, she's missing it because she's in pregnancy. Next year she's going to miss because she's breastfeeding. The year after that she's going to miss because she's breastfeeding. Three years missed. Then after that, MashaAllah, Allah blesses them. She's pregnant again. So now she's going to miss, where are we now? Today is uh, 2019. She's missed because of pregnancy. 2020 she's missed because of breastfeeding. 2021 she's missed because of breastfeeding. 2022 she's pregnant again. So she's going to miss again. 2023, she's breastfeeding. 2024, she's breastfeeding. 2025, mashallah, she's pregnant. 2026, where are we? And then 27, breastfeeding. So now already eight Ramadans or nine Ramadans. The year after that, mashallah. And then another two years of breastfeeding. Very possibly, very likely for some women, for some families. Not like it's a rare one-off. A very strong possibility to become pregnant every three years. Very strong possibility. So very strong likelihood for many women perhaps that there could be a consecutive 10 Ramadans possibly that they have to make up. Maybe even more. Maybe even more than 10, maybe 12, maybe 13, maybe 14. Very possible. Very possible. 13, 14 Ramadans, all it takes is 4 or 5 pregnancies every 3 years, which is very normal. Breastfeeding every 2 in between, and you've got 15 Ramadans to make up. So then they say, the scholars who take the opinion that there's only feeding upon them, not making up. They say, what are you going to tell them? You're going to tell them the Sharia is telling you to go start making up 15 years of Ramadans? They say the Sharia would not put this type of burden upon a woman. The Sharia would not put this type of a situation upon a woman, they say. That it would place upon her 15 years potentially of making up 15 months of fasting. You're not even going to make that up in the next year. You're going to make up some of it. You're going to fast that next Ramadan. You're still going to be carrying on making up from previous years after that Ramadan of 2032. So they say that wouldn't be possible. The Sharia wouldn't put that type of burden upon a woman. Of course, that is only a logical explanation. It's not evidence. It's not proof. You can't base your opinion just upon that. You're going to base it upon the evidences and the narrations that exist. We'll do a little bit more, maybe 10 minutes more after Maghrib, just to read a little bit more. There's a, a small section left on this topic so we'll just read a little bit more 10 minutes more after the prayer insha'Allah Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wa ala 
So, in the opinions that we've just mentioned there, most of them were indicating that a pregnant woman and a breastfeeding woman basically afterwards, once they've recovered from all of that, have to make up the days. That is the overwhelming conclusion from what we read in all of those opinions. So just to mention the other opinion uh, from the modern day scholars, you have a Sheikh Al-Albani, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, who took the other opinion. So he said regarding them, لا يجب عليها القضاء وإنما يجب عليها الكفارة دفدية عن كل يوم مسكينة هذا الجواب الصحيح He said regarding the pregnant and breastfeeding women then they don't have to make up any days they just have to feed a poor person for every day this is the correct answer أَمَّا الْإِشْتِرَاطِ الْمَذْكُورِ وَهُوَ إِذَا خَافَتِ الْحَامِلِ وَالْمُرْضِعِ عَلَى نَفْسَيْهِمَا أَوْ وَلَدَيْهِمَا As for this thing that we were talking about, the ruling being different, if the pregnant or breastfeeding woman misses due to fear upon her own body, her own self, or if she misses because of fear upon her child, that the rulings were a bit different and the opinions were a bit different. He says regarding that differentiation, that it's basically only ijtihad of the scholars. And that is the case. There is no narrations about differences between those two scenarios. That is an ijtihad of the scholars. He says, إِنَّمَا هُوَ إِجْتِهَادْ مِنْ بَعْضِ الْعُلَمَاءِ وَلَا تُكَلَّفْ بِهِ الْحَامِلْ أَوْ الْمُرْضِعِ that is an ijtihad made by some scholars differentiating why the pregnant or breastfeeding woman misses for herself or for her child. That is only an ijtihad from the scholars anyway. So that isn't a major issue he's saying. ثم قال ابن عباس في تفسير قوله تعالى فمن كان منكم مريضا أو على سفر فعدة من أيام أخر وعلى الذين يطيقونه فدية طعام مسكين قال ابن عباس رضي الله عنه in the ayah where it mentions about the ones who are ill or on a journey then make up some other days and then وعلى الذين يطيقونه and for those who are incapable then you have to feed a poor person for every day. Ibn Abbas said in the tafsir of this ayah, that the, the pregnant and the breastfeeding woman upon them is to feed a poor person for every day. So that condition about whether it's upon yourself or upon the child, that differentiation doesn't exist. According to this tafsir of Ibn Abbas, that would be the evidence the scholars use for this opinion, mostly that he said it's simply to feed a poor person every day for the pregnant and the breastfeeding woman who misses the fasting. So he says in conclusion, يَجُوزُ لِكُلِّ حَامِلٍ وَلِكُلِّ مُرْضِعٍ أَن تُفْطِرَ 
He says in conclusion, therefore, based upon this statement of Ibn Abbas, this tafsir of the ayah saying that they only have to feed, that's all they have to do. That a breastfeeding and pregnant woman, all they have to do is feed a poor person for every day they miss, and they don't have to make up those days. That is the opinion of from the modern day scholars of Shaykh al-Bani, and as we saw there, some of the Salaf too. Some of the Salaf too had that opinion. So then everybody always says, then what's the strongest opinion? As we've just discovered here then, if you're talking about the majority, it appears to be the case that the majority are saying that they simply have to make up those days afterwards. But there is an opinion of some scholars here based upon that tafsir of Ibn Abbas that they don't have to, they can just feed a poor person for every day. The other scholars, their evidence is the hadith in Nasa'i where the Prophet ﷺ apparently equated between the pregnant and breastfeeding women and the traveler. And that ruling is the ruling of making up. Upon comparison, the scholars have said the closest comparison for pregnant and breastfeeding women is an ill person that the ill person eventually recovers pregnant and breastfeeding women eventually recover if you put them into the category of the permanently ill person because who is the person who can feed a poor person for each day instead the one who's permanently ill never expected to recover or the one who's very elderly in age and again therefore never expected to recover because you're not going to get younger and fitter and healthier so in both of those circumstances you're never expected to improve on your situation scholars have said of the first majority opinion pregnant and breastfeeding women how can you put them into that category because they are eventually going to recover from their situation they're not going to remain pregnant all their life and breastfeeding all their life so how can you put them into that category? And that's why the majority of the scholars do not put them into that category. They put them into the category of the traveler or the temporarily ill person. Whereby they will recover eventually. The traveler will go home eventually. The ill person who recovers eventually. Pregnant woman who eventually isn't pregnant. Breastfeeding woman who eventually isn't breastfeeding. And that's why you have the majority saying they should simply make up those days. But you have the other opinion saying that they can Feed a poor person for every day. <coughs> There's two questions here on two different pieces of paper with two different colors of pen. And it looks like two different handwritings. But it's the same question. So it must be an important question. Must be a serious question, an important question. If two different people on two different papers, two different colors, two different handwritings have written it. And the question says, basically, can a woman, in one of the phrasings of it, can a woman use being pregnant can a woman use being pregnant not to do house duties? Use being pregnant as an excuse not to do the house duties, i.e. cooking and cleaning. And the other one, uh, what if she, the pregnant woman, cannot fulfill 
her household duties? Can he command her? Can he command her not to fast? Or in the case that she can't fulfill the duties. So in this first one then, uh, can a woman use being pregnant not to do the household duties like cooking and cleaning? In this kind of situation, you can basically refer to the statement of a Sheikh al He said, a man, a husband, should recognize what goodness is between the spouses and what the compassion and love is between the spouses. It is not the role of a husband to think that it's manly to sit there and put his feet up and say to the wife, go do this and go do that and send out the list of orders. He said that is not manliness and that is not goodness in the relationship of the spouses. So in this type of situation, a woman is pregnant. It's obviously a difficulty. There's obviously some hardship upon the woman in pregnancy. It would not be something of manliness whatsoever for the husband to still sit there and put his feet up and say to the woman, go do this and go do that and clean this and do that and cook this. It would be better and more honorable for the man to understand the situation of the woman in that situation of pregnancy and to help out and to do what he's able. As Shaykh Lathimin said, even without that situation, a woman is perfectly good and healthy, not pregnant, nothing. The man should still help out and do bits and bobs here and there because that is goodness and love between the spouses. Some people, or some men, if you mention to them that you're going to you're going to go help in some aspect of the cooking or the cleaning or something. It's almost like they're going to have a heart attack. They say, what are you talking about? Is that a joke? Oh, it's not a joke. Okay. Sheikh Al-Uthaymin, he said, Sheikh Al-Uthaymin, from your honor, from the honor of a man and the goodness of a man and the intelligence of a man, is that he shows this goodness in the relationship between the husband and the wife. He doesn't just sit there and say, I'm the man, go do this, go do that. She's got three kids, four kids, trying to feed them, change them, put them to bed. And then you say, go sort my food out as well and go do this and go the bin and everything else. That is not suitable behavior of the man. So if the woman is pregnant and in that difficulty and in that situation of hardship, the man should recognize that he needs to help out and he needs to do uh, uh, some contribution to those types of affairs. And that's why they say, our fathers the generation of our fathers who are now in their 60s and 70s and 80s. The men in that generation could cook. But the masakin here sitting in front of us everywhere, all they can do is the scrambled eggs. And even that, maybe they don't know how to open the egg, smashing it into go everywhere huh, before it goes into the pan. Huh? Just what? Just eat. That's how it is these days. So then he says here, can a husband command his pregnant wife not to fast Ramadan if he fears for her and the baby? If he's a doctor, he's got some medical knowledge, then maybe. But otherwise, his fear is just a very general fear. Just the fear of compassion, the fear of love, his wife, his unborn child, fasting's not going to be good for you, no liquids, etc., if it's just based upon that, he shouldn't be commanding just based upon that. If there is something more to it, and normally there is. I mean, normally it's the default now. If you tell a doctor you're going to fast for 17 hours and you're pregnant, every doctor is going to tell you don't do that. There's hardly going to be a doctor who says to you, don't have any liquids for 17 hours if you're pregnant. So based upon that, most women probably would take the option of not fasting when they're pregnant. 
because the overwhelming medical advice is these days for fasts this long, not to be fasting when pregnant because of the lack of liquids and nutrition for that many hours. The general medical advice, I assume, would be not to fast. So therefore, it would be assumed most people would take the option of not fasting. If a woman thinks that, she can definitely do it. And there is concern on her husband's part, obviously that is founded in medical advice. Then you could go to a doctor, you could go to the GP, you go to a doctor, get some analysis and get an opinion, a proper medical opinion. What do you think? Could I fast or not? The doctor says his opinion, his input, then that can be something you use in the decision too. So also, what if she cannot fulfill her duties because she's pregnant and trying to fast, I assume the question means. If she's pregnant and trying to fast and she cannot fulfill her house duties as a consequence, can he then command her not to fast so that she can then fulfill her house duties? But that would then mean if she's able to fast through her pregnancy or breastfeeding, but she's now going to miss fasting in order to fulfill the rights of the household. So is that a reason to enable you, enable you to miss fasting? Both are fard. To fulfill the rights of the husband and to fulfill the rights of fasting. You can argue, if you're going to put it down to technicalities, one is the right of Allah, one is the right of the husband. So maybe in that case, based upon that, you would say fasting still takes priority and the husband needs to take the fatwa of a Shaykh al and help out in the household duties again. That would possibly be an answer to that. Anything else then on that? If the woman is poor, of course the husband can pay it on her behalf. If the husband and the woman, both of them are poor, and they are unable to pay the fidya, then it's very similar to the situation of the man who came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said, Halakt, I've destroyed myself, I've ruined myself, and that was because he had had intercourse with his wife during Ramadan. So then the Prophet ﷺ said to him, Can you free a slave? He said, No. Can you fast two months consecutively? He said, no. Can you feed 60 people? He said, no. So then that was it. The Prophet just let him go. He just went. Only afterwards when the dates came, then the situation continued. Scholars said, therefore, after the initial first three things, the man couldn't do any of them. The Prophet just let him go. Indicating the opinion of some of the scholars that if you're completely incapable, genuinely unable, then it drops. There's nothing upon you then. That is an opinion of the scholars. The second opinion is they say, no, it remains as a responsibility for you in case in the future at some point you do become capable, then that responsibility becomes active again. And then you do it when you're capable. Anything else? Oh. Ah, in the country, outside of the country, the default in those... With any acts of worship and obedience, the scholars, they say, with these types especially that are open acts of worship, you're going to be feeding the people, etc. It should be done where you are. But if it's done elsewhere, it is still 
valid and it counts. Ideally, if you can do it where you are, feed the poor of where you live, that's better. If you can't, it's difficult to find them. The organization, the way it's difficult, a lot easier to send it across somewhere else and it can be distributed as food to them. Then okay, and it's valid, it's not a problem. Huh? This wasn't this a homework here, or was it somewhere else? It was a homework here, so where's the answer? Where's the fatwa? We still have another two sessions, is it? 11, 18, two more weeks yet. We have next Saturday and the Saturday after. So the homework is still active and live. This fidya, the feeding of the poor person, this expiation, does it have to be feeding a Muslim or could it be feeding a kafir? The fidya, the expiation, does it have to be to a Muslim or can it be to a kafir? That was a homework set and it is still set. Next week we're going to have the lesson earlier as we said, remember. So the lesson will be approximately, is there anything else that goes on Saturday beforehand? So in that case, let's call it... Um, Eight fifty-four. So eight. Let's call it seven fifteen p.m. Seven fifteen p.m. for the next two Saturdays. Next Saturday and the Saturday after, seven fifteen p.m. and we'll be done by quarter past eight. Leaves you forty-five minutes almost before Maghrib to do whatever you need to do. So next week, seven fifteen p.m. Insha'Allah. صلى الله عليه وسلم محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين